Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 102. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore. This is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. We do it by listening to the stories and taking the advice from some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals. Sorry if you can hear all the commotion in the background, but somebody just got home and the dogs are kind of freaking out. I have a great show for you today. Before I hit play, I just want to remind you to please give me those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. They really do help with getting the show out there and recognized. Also, always looking for advice and suggested guests to be on the show. So don't hesitate with connecting with me. Uh, my email is eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, or you can simply just find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google+. I'm out there. Just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com. You'll find the majority of the links. All right. With that said, enjoy today's show. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Champ Spadell. Chef, how are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge on us? Absolutely, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this. <laughs> All right. Let me just give a quick introduction, Chef, and I'll pass it over to you to kind of get the big picture. Uh, Chef Spadell is a graduate of Johnson & Wales University. Uh, after graduating, he got busy spending the next five years honing his craft. In 2005, he and his wife opened Persimmons Restaurant, a modern restaurant serving ingredients and technique-driven American cuisine. Uh, ten years later, his restaurant has been featured in countless magazines, and he has been a four-time semifinalist for James Beard Best Chef Northeast. Uh, he's also, his restaurant, Persimmon, has also been recognized uh, two times for having out, or being a semifinalist for outstanding service. So, man, you have gotten some great recognition in your career, and I just cannot wait to hear the story. But this is just, you know, a, a taste of who you are and what you're all about. Uh, why don't you paint the big picture for us, Chef? How did you get into this industry, and uh, how did you get to where you are today? Um, you know, I started out, you know, I was a, I was a musician in, in, um, when I was you know, still in high school, and, and I loved that. I really wanted to, to follow that career, and um, I had a band when I was in college, and this was nice. back in Florida. And but, you know, I always worked, and uh, I always loved to work. And I worked mm -hmm. in a um, a grocery store, and I was a meat cutter in a grocery store. And so, I I loved that aspect. I just loved, you know, obviously using my hands, very manual. Yeah. Um, and that led to lots and you know lots of questions about food. You know, my mother was a, a, a wonderful cook and had many cookbooks um, that I always kind of perused. And, and I, I was a you know I was a child of the the you know eighties and nineties where uh, you know the, the TV shows were were kind of really gaining momentum. So I was definitely part of that TV generation of a of a young cook. So mm -hmm. you see great chefs, great cities. Um, you know, the Food Network came along when I was in my twenties. And so to see the artistic aspect of food um, versus the, you know, sort of the manual aspect of it. And here I was, a butcher, um, 
but I had no idea what to do with with those products. And mm-hmm. people would ask at the shop, and you know, I'd be like, I, I just, you know, I'd make something up. <laughs> and uh, so that led me to start reading quite a bit about it. Uh, my mother never told me anything about cooking, even though she really is a wonderfully uh, wonderful cook and, and, and well trained. Wasn't what she did for a living. She actually taught. Um, she taught food service, you know, at a, at a tech high school. And okay. uh, this was when we lived in Ohio. So never showed me anything, you know, much to my chagrin. But um, it certainly sparked my curiosity. So I just started reading voraciously. And uh, I was going to college in Florida, and I really, really got into it. And, and um, you know, I was just going for um, it was a political science degree, which I had no real interest in. I just sort of loved reading the books. I was playing in my band. I loved that. But I started thinking more and more and more about food. And yeah. it just kind of consumed me. And it, and, it, and it does for a lot of people. And, and I was certainly a victim, and I loved it. And I just ate it up. I literally, you know, got every, you know, read everything I could get my hands on. Well, let's let's fast forward. So I, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, go I was ahead. gonna say let's fast forward to like you, you went to Johnson Wales. Uh, you graduated yeah. in 2000, and uh, I love a, a quote I saw about you just getting out there and getting experience. You want to talk a little about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I took the plunge and I said, you know what, if I'm gonna do this, because I never worked in a restaurant in Florida. Yeah. Uh, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in, and I want <clears throat> excuse me wanted to get a degree, and so I did that and wrote in Johnson Wales, and then realized you know I'm an, I was an older student, mm-hmm. so I was 26 when I went went there, and a lot of these kids were like 18. Yeah, so they they you know I was jealous that they kind of had their whole lives <laughs> you know that, to to do this, but I also had a lot of experience, a lot of management experience. I ran markets for for the Winn Dixie grocery chain, so I had tons of you know management experience, and obviously I was very good with a knife. I felt very comfortable mm-hmm. in that environment. Um, and I really learned how to be organized and work. So I knew, though, I needed to learn to cook. I just want to say what I've learned um, from a lot of my guests, like your good friend, uh, Chef Siska, he said, too, mm-hmm. when you go to school and you take that time to really figure yourself out and what you want to do, you make the best use of that time uh, when you go yeah. in a little bit later. And, and I think there's evidence there because after you graduate, it only took five years for you getting that experience, honing your skill before you opened your own place. That did very well. Right. I don't recommend that for <laughs> but um i think you know i was certainly driven and again i I've, I've got you know i've got experience and, and maturity under my belt so when i was at johnson Wells, i did i made every single use of time i wasn't out there just trying to, to chase girls yeah. and party i was focused i mean I, I really became a monk uh you know i had to work two jobs so i would <clears throat> my day consisted of school from seven to one and then i had a restaurant job at night and then I had on the weekends, in order to pay my rent, I had to cut meat at a at a market, another market up here in Rhode Island. So I didn't date for three years. I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. And I was focused. I just, you know, this was my, this was my drive. I knew that I had to to really get comfortable with this craft. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't learn it. You don't master it in three years, certainly. But you, you know, I got comfortable enough just working constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, for three straight years that, um, you know, when I, when I finally graduated, and I'm, you know, I graduated early because I had a lot of credits already from, from college before, um, a couple of internships really inspired me. One was at the Ritz-Carlton in uh, St. Thomas, where it was a, obviously a beautiful place to work, but it was um, an all-French kitchen, and they were doing the food that I wanted to do because mm-hmm. no one in Rhode Island um, was doing that, and only a few restaurants in Boston, and I couldn't afford to move anywhere else. Um, you know, uh, so I was inspired by that that experience, and that was the you know the style, the um, the precision, the mm-hmm. technique, 
the um, the you know really just the the technical aspect that I fell in love with, Absolutely. and that's sort of the food I've been began to chase. And again, I realized that again I couldn't pick up the move again. If I was going to do this food, I had to do it myself. And, mm-hmm. and um, so I probably on my fifth restaurant, um, the chef I was working under just left. And it was a very small place, only about 37, 38 feet. Uh, the chef just left, and um, the owners asked me if I could kind of run it. And we were only doing you know, five covers a night and a few on the weekends, so <laughs> no problems. It was yeah. myself and another guy, and we even washed our own dishes. And we were able to do food the way you're supposed to do it. Awesome. You know, So we made proper stocks, we made proper sauces. Everything was, you know, just we tried to make it as perfect as we could. And we grew in, in, you know, volume and sales. And, and by the time I left, it was doing really well. And, and at that point, it wasn't like an overconfidence. It was just I knew I could only really work for myself. Mm-hmm. I just knew that about me. I knew I couldn't take off on some European, you know, journey to learn all. I would love to have been <laughs> able to do that and work in all the great cities of the world. I couldn't afford that. I didn't have that opportunity or capability. Um, and the... The woman I was dating at the time, we got married, and we, we bought this little restaurant here in Bristol. And, you know, I just believed in, you know, we believed in ourselves and just knew we could make it work, and we did. We worked our butts off. And it was just that constant drive, mm-hmm. drive and fear mm-hmm. that, that propels you. And, you know, you have to have a strong work ethic in this business, and you have to really have that vision. And, you know, as in any profession, in any any craft you have to set your goals and you have to you know they obviously have to be attainable i love the words that are coming out of your your mouth right now chef i mean this is awesome like work ethic drive vision just having that passion and uh it's great and i think we're going to start uncovering all these things as we go on in the interview but i have to ask you uh before we ask the, the first question can you share with us one success quote or mantra that really just gets you going that echoes and you know reverberates in your head every day it's not a quote so much, it's just a word, yeah. and it is precision. Mm. You know, it's precision, precision. Precision can be attributed to any, again, any craft. Mm-hmm. I don't try to, you know, make our job any special or different. I mean, it, and a lot of people say this, uh, almost this point now, so I'm just say, I mean, we really do. Every day we come in here, um, try to push ourselves a little bit harder. You know, we really try to be that much more precise. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a perfection that we're aiming for, because we all know that's, that's not attainable either. It's excellent. And we're not even creating this, this ultra-fine dining experience here at, at Persimmon. We just want, we, we almost want the sort of the Disney model where it's like you under-promote but over-deliver. Mm-hmm. So when people come in, it's this tiny little restaurant, and it's in this tiny little town, in this tiny little state. And, you know, it's it's humble, but, you know, what we want to give you is this, this we do, we want to give you this experience that you could get in Europe or California or, or New York or San Francisco and really just have this experience without having to shell out, you know, $600 a person. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's our little, our little version of, of fine cuisine. Awesome. And, you know, we, we want people to come back. So when they do come back, we want to then aim even higher. So each day you do, you have to kind of push yourself. I know I can't just put that into one quick quote, but, <laughs> but I really just attribute it to one word. No. And it's it, precision. 
But what I hear is, I mean, you're constantly looking to be better. You're always looking to grow. You're always looking to take it that extra mile. And it's like it, what you're saying really reminds me of this book I just started. I just picked up called The Slight Edge that talks about like those little things. If you take the time to do the little things over time, it it, uh, it magnifies and it it grows exponentially. Yeah. And um, it and it just you have to have that discipline to just do the little things that nobody else has the discipline to do. And, and it doesn't happen overnight. But if you you do have that precision, like you do, with time and with dedication, and discipline, uh, great things happen, and uh, you know you're living proof of that. Uh, Fifteen years or ten years later, you're just doing incredible things. So I've got to ask you the next question now, Chef. And what sure. is your it factor? Like, if you could narrow it down to maybe one or two or three things, what is it about you that contributes to your success? It's my work ethic. Awesome. And um, it's not bragging. It's not, it's not doing that. It's just I know that every day I do have to get up and go to work. Yep. I get tired just like everybody else. I get cranky. I get fussy. Um, my hands hurt. My back hurts. My feet hurt. But I know deep down that if, even if everyone decided to quit tonight or decided not to show up for work, that the show will still go on. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's always been that drive that I want to be the fastest one. I want to be the cleanest one. I want to be the most efficient one. You know, um, I, I only expect my crew um, to do what what I do. You know, I, I'm not expecting them to have this greatness that I don't even try to attain. Um, I, I, I think it's great when they surpass my skill level, when mm-hmm. they can you know, bang their prep out and they can, they can fillet or, or uh, you know, saute a fillet of fish and you know, crisp the skin better than I can. Then I then I know that that we've actually achieved something. Yeah. Here, that that that's my job. They should be better than me. That's you know I need to to obviously train them the basics, and they need to take it further. And hopefully I can instill that in them. But you know, it's hard to instill a work ethic in people, and, and and those are the people that, and I'm sure you've noticed it too, where you just know those they're not going to make it. They don't have that that drive to get up every day and do a little bit better. They don't have that drive to just get up and go to work. They should take it or leave it. Yeah. And um. You know, I even even in our business plan when we were talking to the bank when we opened this restaurant, it was just like, you know, they're like, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? And I said, look, I, he, you know, a lot of this is faith based. You have to have a faith in my work ethic, um, and that that I've never, I've never wavered. You know, yeah. I've been working since I was, you know, 13 years old. Um, when we were hanging drywall in Florida, when it's 100 degrees outside, and we're up in the attic fire taking. <laughs> it's like. I could have easily walked away from that, but no, it was a job. I was being paid to do it, um, and I never sort of wanted to let a boss down ever. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I mean, you you say your your it factor is your work ethic, and you want to be the fastest, the cleanest, the, the most efficient. But if you are always pushing yourself to be the fastest, the cleanest, the best, and you, everyone around you sees how hard you're working to be that you're going to set the pace and you're going to set the tone. And that's exactly what leading by example is. Uh, if you can master right. yourself and be the best you can be, people will see that that is what is expected of them. And I mean, it's so powerful. That's, that's what you hope. That's what you hope. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of times, you know, there are some where you're just, you're, you're flabbergasted and you say, I don't understand what you, look, look how everyone around you is working. Why yeah. aren't you just at least following their lead? Um, you, you, you almost expect people to, to just catch on to that, and so many people don't. Probably the most frustrating aspect of of this business, where it's like everyone's trying to do the best, and there's like two or three that just don't see it. They're not opening their eyes. They don't. They don't get it. They don't have that 
they don't have that it factor here. I hear it. So <laughs> this it factor, tell us about a specific time. I mean, we learn through stories. Uh, and can you think of a story where this it factor of your work ethic, of your never-ending uh, just drive to be the fastest, the cleanest, the most efficient, can you think of a story of where this shone through and helped you get to the next level and take us through that story? I think it started when I was, you know, I worked at this grocery company. I used to help out in the meat department of this grocery, you know, mm-hmm. grocery train called Winn-Dixie. They're big in the South. It's a grocery store. It's like a Publix or a, a stop and shop or anything else. I got you. And so it's the grocery business. It is what it is. Yeah. It's not glamorous, but, you know, you've given it to, and again, I'm very sort of task oriented and, um, I love, you know, to be able to accomplish sort of a list of things. And I always wanted to, to accomplish that, that list and, and accomplish, you know, if it, if it was filling this or, or doing that or cutting this. Yeah. I just wanted to, to do that. And it was, I was always humbled. You know, I'm not a, a huge athlete. I always played some random sports, but I was never competitive sport wise. Okay. Um, I never excelled like, like, a, like a gifted athlete would. It never had the drive to, be the best you know, soccer player, basketball player. When it came to work, I did. I was jealous of people who were faster, who could, who yeah. could pick it up quicker, um, and I wanted to be that guy. So that's how you know I would then emulate. I would find the best worker and emulate that person. And I think that's where it started. Is in that grocery store. There were a lot of guys who were who were who I thought, you know, I would think I'm good, and then a new guy would come along. And yeah. Great. Can you, or whatever. Can you it, think it, of a story, it, a specific story, when you're at the grocery store and your boss just like, "Holy crap, champ! You're just like a work animal!" Like, and can you point out like one thing you did or a, a specific thing you did that really, you know, that it, maybe it, a that promotion? didn't happen. You know, that didn't happen until um, they start to move you around, like to other store. You help out other yeah. stores, and because so, you're in kind of a bubble, you're in your own market each yeah. day. And, and my 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 boss was. A psychopath. I think he's certifiable, <laughs> and and he was this crazy old Southern guy, and he, he was just crazy. And it was just so he's not about to praise you know anything you do. You know, if he sees you working harder, he's only going to make you work even harder than yeah. that. There was a guy who helped out our market, and he uh, he and I would cut meat on Friday nights, and he showed me how to do it. And we would just work for hours, mm-hmm. and it was just he and I. He was a great guy, so he was kind of like quote unquote a mentor. I'm only, you know, at this point about eighteen years old. Yeah. And he was awesome. You know, we're working, we got so much to do, we're in a busy market. And working with him, then when I started to have you know, they would they'll kind of farm you out, they'll go help out the store, go help out that store. Yeah. And it wasn't until you get in a new environment where people who don't know you never worked with you before and you're you're out you know, you're you're outshining them, that's when you really know, hey, you know, there's there's something to do this, you know, yeah. because you know, you always know, oh, this store, they have a bunch of, like, hard-ass butchers. They're mm-hmm. great. Or it's much like a kitchen where it's like this kitchen has a reputation. Well, if you can go into that kitchen and kick ass right away, then you know you've learned something along the way. Like, you're getting better. And, mm-hmm. and it was, and, and that's kind of what happened where I'd go help out at these stores and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up with the veterans. Mm-hmm. I'm not outshining all of them, but I'm keeping up with the veterans and I'm just a kid. Gotcha. And you know, you realize, okay, there's something to this. Awesome. And again, you keep pushing, you keep finding wherever you go, the best guy. Who do I need to, to be? Who yeah. do I need to, to be better than? And I've always done that in in cooking as well. I guess and, that, you know, I find. 
I guess that speaks a lot to what happens if you just surround yourself with the right people. And if you're in those environments, you know, where you're just surrounded with these guys that will be a mentor to you. And when you get into the real world and you see like how much, how many strides ahead of the people you, you know, that should be at the same level that you are at, but you're just way ahead of them because you, you surround yourself with great people. And that's really powerful. And you have to continue to do that. So even, even when we own our own restaurant now, I mean, I still have to get out there and see what's going on because we're, it's very easy to get in your own bubble. And again, we're in a very small restaurant in a very small town. And, you know, you have to, to still see and push yourself and find yeah. out who the, who is the best. What are they doing? What's making that person tick? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that won't, that won't end till, till mm. we die. I mean, we got to keep, keep doing that. Chef, and it's not a drive that keeps me up. I don't, I don't <laughs> stay up all night long, you know, thinking about this, but, it's it's just that's that's how I work. No, this is all such great advice, and I feel like we could go on and on about it. And you're giving us such great uh, knowledge, but we have to move on to the next question, and that sure. is, yeah, sure. a, a topic on failure. I mean, it's great to know what makes it, you know, what your it factors are, but we learn the most from our failures. So tell me about a time in your career where you just fell hard on your ass, chef, <laughs> and how you got back up, and what you learned from that experience. I was a terrible line cook. Okay. You know, I, I read, I was that prick that comes to the kitchen who's read every cookbook you can imagine, and I can quote, you know, how to make, you know, sauce or or this or that, and I can do that, but I never made it. I, I never actually held a mm-hmm. sauté pan. You know, I, I was very limited in my skills. So um, my worst failure was a restaurant in Boston called Cleo, um, where I just, I, I only made it a couple of weeks, and I, I just was so... I was so bad, and I realized I had so much more I needed to learn um, before I ever took on a challenge like that. Because they're counting on me; they assumed that I knew how to cook because I'd worked in yeah. several other restaurants. I mean, how did and I'd worked in a restaurant that the chef knew the owner? Yeah, and so the owner's about you know she's vouching for me, and I just I was terrible, and I just wasn't ready for that level. How did it feel um, to be put in that position where you have somebody vouching for you and I mean, you get all this pull because you're a great guy and people are putting their neck out there and then to come up short, like what did that, how did that feel? Well, oh, it was, it was totally deflating. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I, no, I, I literally, and I was commuting from Providence. It's, a, it's an hour trip and, and I was just, I mean, I, I, I was literally crying and, you know, some just because I just couldn't get this. I wasn't doing mm-hmm anything right and you know and plus I'm, I'm commuting i don't have the bill i can't move up there i just i knew i was going to fail i knew this was not going to work mm-hmm. and i handled it terribly um and i just it was it was probably the worst work experience i've ever had and i knew i let everybody down mm-hmm. and i'm sure they probably thought i was just a dumbass <laughs> and you know you don't you don't you don't want that on your conscience but I just knew I failed. that was probably the worst. I mean, what did you um, what did you learn from this failure? That I have to to obviously hone my skills more. Mm-hmm. Um, that I also need to you know get over myself and, and and not think that oh just because you worked here or you worked there you know a lot of people wear where they worked on their lapel and say hey well I I worked in you know I worked at Noma for six months I know how to do this yeah. or I worked at the French Laundry for a, for a season and I can do that. And, I mean, I didn't work anywhere like that, but I thought I had some skills because I was good at the restaurant. And when I moved up into that echelon, um, I failed miserably. And I didn't know how, I didn't have the support or the skill set to recover quickly. And I just, you know, kind of retreated back and and then started working again 
um, you know, smaller restaurants just to, to realize, okay, I have a lot more to learn. Yeah, I mean, and, but that's uh, that's but that was I, probably you know, I didn't I didn't ruin anything. It wasn't like I was put in charge of anything. It was just a, a line cook, an entry level line cook there. But I was just I couldn't handle it. I was not ready, and I really thought I was. Um, and you know, so so what I learned is just hey, don't don't rush into anything until you've really done your homework. And I just didn't do my homework. Then. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what to expect. I thought I was just going to come in and be great. And no way, because they really expected me to hit the, <coughs> excuse me, to hit the ground running. Yeah. And but, I didn't at all. But I mean, that's why I, I, I asked, is exactly why I asked this question, Chef, because it's, it's in our weakest moments and our, you know, hardest times that we learn the most about ourselves and we do the most self-reflecting. Sure. And I mean, we learned a lot about you in this failure, that you're passionate, that you have the ability to bounce back and be buoyant and look to the future and keep on pushing on into, you know, be able to say like, I am not a good line cook. But there's nothing wrong with that as long as you, you're able to recognize it and you're not pointing the finger at, at other people saying, well, they just were telling me to do it wrong. Like, you you owned it. And I think that's a really important lesson to take away from this is to own your, your shortcomings and then to be buoyant, to have that passion yeah. to push on and to make yourself better and to be precise and always be trying to make yourself a little bit better that, you know, that, that, that slight edge like we talk about is just a little more every Absolutely. day. That's great You have stuff. to know your limitations. You know, I, I should have never commuted. I should have never thought that that could work. Um, you know, I'm driving an hour each way, so that's two extra hours on top of, a, you know, a 13, 14-hour day. I just, you know, you, you have to kind of do your research before you take on. Just like, if, you know, if you say, oh, I fail as a restaurant business, well, did you do your homework? Did you write your business plan? And if you're like, well, no, I just... I just thought I could handle it. Like, well, then obviously you were going to fail. I mean, <laughs> if anyone if, if anyone had studied me, like, if I'd even bounced the idea, that was the problem. I never bounced the idea of saying, oh, I'm going to go work at this restaurant in Boston. Mm-hmm. If I had even remotely bounced that off somebody's head, they would have said, oh, you're crazy. You should move up there. Don't, mm-hmm. don't do that. And I've had cooks who say, oh, I'm going to go commute to this restaurant in Boston. And I'm like, don't do it. You, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to move there and you need to really go all in, but, you know, here I am, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to, to pay my rent, yeah. I'm driving too far, every single thing I did was, was the wrong choice. But you learned so why. much. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's, that's why we volume. Yeah, man, it's great, powerful stuff. So, we've reached the part of the, the interview that I've dubbed the Knowledge Bombs, I don't know why, but you're basically just going to drop some big old restaurant bombs knowledge on us, it's going to be a little faster sure. pace, are you ready to do this, you Chef? All right, let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's Great. Do it. <laughs> All right, the first question I have for you is, what advice do you have for funding a restaurant? First thing you need to do is, is write your business plan. And, you know, if you have a group of people who could be your investors, then you need to, to, to talk to them. But you need to have a, a, a completed, thorough plan in place. Do not just say, hey, I got this idea. No, they, they want to see a plan. The bank wants to see a plan. Your Uncle Joe wants to see a plan. Yeah. Um, and they want to see, you know, how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to pay me back? Yeah. You know, what are you going to sell? How are you going to pay me back? And if you don't have that plan in place, um, and I don't care if it's your own money. If, mm-hmm. Even if you just got inherit, you know, inheritance for a million dollars, you want to open a restaurant, you still better better have a plan because how are you going to pay yourself back? Mm. Absolutely. You know, having that vision is so crucial. And uh, just having the clarity with that, that plan um, and not just, you know, swinging left and right and not knowing what you're swinging at is it's really important right that is a, a great piece of advice next question i have for you chef is what advice do you have for hiring good people well you know you, you gotta you gotta meet a face-to-face 
you know, you can't just look at an email and their resume and go, oh, sweet, you're hired. Yeah. You've got to meet them face-to-face, and then you've got to watch them work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to put them in a, in a situation in your in your kitchen, um, if we're talking about kitchens, obviously, um, to work. We've got to see... You got to see how they work. What's their sense of urgency? Um, are they neat? Are they tidy? Are they serious? Are they always moving quickly, mm-hmm. or are they just sort of like wide-eyed, looking around, like they have all the time in the world? Are they too chatty? Are they focused? Are they not chatty enough? Mm-hmm. Um, you have all your 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 little questions you ask. I mean, when I have a massage come in, I don't care necessarily what they produce. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see how they you know, interact in that environment. Are they a jerk? Are they too nice? Um, are they you know, weak? Do they shy away from jumping into uh, helping out? Or if you tell them, oh, do they want you to go wash some of those dishes? Do they look at you like you're crazy? Um, you know, how do they interact in, in that environment? And, yeah. you know, hell, we, every single <clears throat> chef out there is going to say, you know, I've had to hire terrible people because I just need a pair of hands, and I've certainly done that. Yeah, um, and so desperate, I just need someone. But you know, the beauty is now we we, we get a you know a much better group of, of people that come through. Um, but those are kind of my uh, those are the things I look at. It's like just how quickly are they moving? Yeah, are they, are they moving too quickly? Are they reckless? Are they careless? You know. And you say you have a, a much come? you have a great group of people moving through right now. I mean, what what do you think the reason for that is? <laughs> you know, I let them do their jobs. I yeah. give them. I do not set them up for failure. We don't we don't bust chops here. Mm-hmm. I don't play games with them. I hire them because I need them to do a job. Yeah, and I expect them. You know, part of our agreement for me to to, to pay them obviously is, is for them to do their job, and not just like get it done, but to 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 strive. You know, I want I want our crew to excel. I want them to do better. I want them to move forward. I want them to have their own business one day if yeah. that's what they want. Um, I don't want <clears throat> complacency. You know, I want them to grow and and. The ones that want that kind of stick around. They know what they need to learn, mm-hmm. and the ones that are just drifters or, or journeymen, they you know they have their time here, but you know they're going to move on. You kind of know they're going to move on when they come around. I hear you, man. And now, like you're answering the next question I always ask is uh, when you find these good people, what's your advice for keeping them on? And I think that's the answer right there, or your yeah. answer. Yeah. Uh, you provide opportunity. You be the means to their dreams. Like you give them that education, and they, they know that working for you will bring them to the next level. I give them a good work environment. I'm fair. I pay them. I don't. I don't pull any, you know, punches. I, yeah. I definitely let them know <clears throat> where they stand here. Um, I kind of let them know up front. You're not going to make a million dollars here, but I can give you this. I can show you this technique. I can show you these ingredients. You know, mm-hmm. we work with some beautiful ingredients. We work with great, great producers. Um, we're going to change often. A lot of cooks look that. You know, I've worked in restaurants where nothing changed, and I had to get out of there. Um, you know, I, I, I push them, you know, mm-hmm. just when I think that they've mastered a, uh, a certain area, I push them harder. We give them more work. Um, I don't give up on them. Yeah. That's all great stuff. So what advice do you have chef on leading this great team that you have? And like, you know, when it gets crazy busy and everyone's like on the verge of being on the, in the weeds, like how do you get through it? How do you power through that? You gotta be there cheerleader. You gotta, you gotta get in there. You gotta be firm. You gotta be tough. And you got to talk, you push them. It's, it is. It's like a sporting event. You're the mm-hmm. coach. Yeah. And, absolutely. you know, you, you, at the same time, you being the coach, you better know what the hell's going on in the game. And um, I don't, you know, sit in the office all day and suddenly poke my head out of 530 and start being the coach. <clears throat> I'm prepping there with them. You know, yeah. so we work together all day long. And, 
you know, that's that's the other key. So I know what's happening. I know what a dish should taste like. I know what a dish should look like. I know what their prep should be like. I've worked every station. So it's like you can't tell me, oh, I can't do that or, or that's not possible. So, well, sure it is. I've worked the station before. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so you can't, you know, don't don't try to pull one over on me. Don't tell me that you can't reduce that now or you can't skin that or it should taste like this. Um, so when it really starts to get shitty, you, you, you just have to, again, you have to push it and you have to let them know that we're all going to help. I don't care how buried one guy gets. We're all there to help you. Let us know what we can do. And by letting us help you, that means you need to be an organized cook. And, you know, the worst cooks, the ones that take the hardest ration of shit from, from, from us is the ones who, who aren't organized where someone could come in and help them, meaning their station is such a disaster that no one can just come in and help them plate something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they haven't. They haven't done their mise en place, mm-hmm. and, and you know any kitchen, you know anybody you talk to, I'm sure will say the exact same thing. It's like, you know, no one cares that that you're not getting it done. It's we really care if you haven't prepped mm-hmm. or you're a disorganized mess where we can't help you. You know, I've gone to help cooks, and their stuff is all over the place that I just can't do. I have to, I literally say, look, I can't help you because I have to clean your station first. Yeah, I, I mean, have to organize your station before I can even attempt to help you plate this out. Is it safe and, to say that you have like a standard that everyone knows? That's is it absolutely, uh, absolutely. Sure. And I think those standards. Yeah. I mean, how important would you say those standards are? They're crucial, <clears throat> and they're high. You know, yeah. and they're and they're 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 abnormally high because you have to you have to set the bar high. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, as soon as they achieve it, you know, then we'll give them a little more work because mm-hmm. we need to push the bar even higher. Otherwise, we just get we we, we fall into a routine and. Routines are boring. That's, that's why I got in this business. This business is always cut. You know, I, I mean, yeah. meat cutting is meat cutting for you know. There's only so many cuts. We're not going to have any new animals. Um, it's it is what it is. Yeah. And you know, this is this is constantly changing. There's 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 new techniques and ingredients and this and that and um, there's just new styles. There's new ways of doing things and there's always a better way. There's always a, a more efficient way. There's a and, um, you know, there's always a, a new person here. to teach too. Yeah, yeah, awesome. and there's people, you know, cooks who come in and teach us, and I yeah. think that's wonderful. Great. Um, so it's it's you know it's that's that's the best I can answer that question. Great. Awesome, thank you. So the next question I have for you, Chef, is what restaurant? What's your you know your your favorite restaurant book or magazine or resource that you would say is a must read for anybody out there listening to this? If you want advice, you know, you need to. To find a, a you know if there's a chef if you're if, you, if you're a budding cook and you want advice on how to cook better you need to find that one cook that really does it for you the one that you really think is special and you know Thomas Keller was huge influence and, and um, his books changed a lot of cooks' lives it certainly mm-hmm. changed my affected me and it made me realize because I, I remember seeing that book in 1999 at a time when I was pretty down and depressed thinking oh my God where I live in Rhode Island. No one's cooking anything good, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was it was good. It was tasty. It just wasn't anything special. And this guy comes along. He's been around for years. But I saw that book and I realized, okay, this is possible. This mm-hmm. is this is people. Somebody is out there skimming the socks. Somebody what is book out there exactly are you talking about? I just want to make it was sure. the French. It was the French Laundry Cookbook. Awesome. Okay, that's great stuff. So you know, an obvious classic, and then he's gone on, you know, to do so many more things. But that that original book and that he published in '99. Was this like, boom? You know, for 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 my age, you know, Ferran Adria came along, you know, a few years later uh, when he started publishing 
and started blowing everybody away mm-hmm. with what they were doing in Spain. But what this guy was doing with American ingredients um, and his classic background was a revelation. Awesome. And so as a, that was a great resource. And he has great stories. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Roman wrote all those books about him and, and, and had great tips and stories. And it's like, okay, you know, I feel the same way. And you can relate to this guy. Mm-hmm. You can understand that he had this vision and he had this business plan but he still had to find money. He still had to find people to back him. And so that was very inspirational. Um, and as far as a daily thing, I mean, it, it's hard. I miss food arts already. I mean, food arts magazine was great as far as being a you know, finger on the pulse. But the web certainly is, is great. I mean, Eater's a great website to really see what's going on, mm-hmm. to see what people are doing. There isn't a journal that, that I necessarily subscribe to. Other than Article in there, that's one of my favorites. And, you know, are you familiar with that book? That comes out quarterly. Yeah, uh, and that's a real, you know, incredible collection of a who's who of who's you know cooking some really fun stuff. You know, there's there's a a ton of information obviously on the web. Yeah. If you have a question about anything, my God, you can you can find it and you know touch your your fingers. And so th- there's not one perfect book or website or magazine. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you listed plenty of examples, and I'll have all the links in the show notes. This is episode 102, so just go to restaurantunstoppable slash 102, and you'll find all the links right there. The next question I have for you, Chef, is advice on marketing. Like, what is the best way to market your restaurant? Well, you need, again, it's like a business plan. You need a plan. You yep. know, you need to say, okay, are we going to advertise? Can we afford to advertise? Do we, mm. is it necessary to advertise? Are we going to have a restaurant? Um, so, you know, that's, that's hard in saying, okay, you know, I'm going to advertise in the paper. That's expensive. And is that our clientele? Um, you know, so you have to kind of pick and choose. When we first started, there was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. Yet. Um, so, you know, for a lot of chefs now, it's very easy. They can they can start out their Instagram and Twitter accounts and Facebook yeah. accounts, and that's all free. That's easy, quick, free press. Um, and and God, you can have you know we we had old fashioned mailing lists. We were mailing out flyers through through the regular mail when we started, and that's changed dramatically. Now we have the email mm-hmm. campaigns, you know, the uh, the constant contacts, which which really help. Is that what you Facebook use? Constant contact. That, yeah, 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 and then you know. Um, we could put it. We could photograph, put a dish on Instagram or, or Facebook, and say, oh, you know, working on a new dish, or or check out our new pasta, or check out this new dish, or oh, look at this beautiful caviar we're getting, and that'll literally, we'll get a call saying, hey, you know, I want to come down and try that, and so, yeah, that stuff works, you know. So, you, so the advice is to have a plan, and then figure out the best, you know, means that fits your restaurant. I mean, if you could afford it. And um, you can have a, a PR agent working on your path. Mm-hmm. Hey, go for it. Good for you because you need that. I, I don't fault anyone for doing that because you cannot rely in this day and age simply on word of mouth anymore. Mm-hmm. You used to be able to because there are a lot less restaurants. But it's, it's, so still, many yeah, it's still king, but there are so many mediums out there you can use today to spread sure. to use that word of mouth. And yeah, you no, know, um, we're kind of talking about it right now. But the next question I have for you, Chef, is technology. <laughs> like. We have evolved so far with technology in the past few years, and I mean, there's so many things out there that we can use in our lives just as an entrepreneur or a restaurateur and in our restaurants. Are there any other technologies aside from emailing that you use to either market or manage or lead your time, manage your time? Like, what, what do you use for tools that are, you know, that's out there for technology? Maybe it's an app on your phone. You know, it's I'm pretty old school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, Kids who are, who are just 
seven years younger than I know much more. I'm actually looking at the ones you have listed on your site, and I'm, I only know one of those, which is which is QuickBooks, which I use. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously I know Google Calendar and things like that, but I don't know how to make those work for me. Mm-hmm. I uh, I do all the books here, so QuickBooks obviously is is crucial to making yeah. you know all our billing uh, efficient. Uh, I use old school spreadsheets for payroll, and I send that in. Um, so those those technology um, aspects are wonderful. Obviously, we have a, you know we when we first opened again, there was no Square or anything like that. We have a, a micro system that we invested a tremendous amount of money in. However, it was one of the you know the top three investments we mm-hmm. ever made here, because again, we, when we first opened, we didn't have a micro, so we were counting checks by hand, yeah. and that killed our efficiency. So to be able to, you know, type things in quickly using a touch screen and you know put an extra bottle of water or another glass of wine or another app or this or that or the other, yeah. uh, rather than stop, write it down, remember to write it down, and then um, add it all up at the end. I mean, to be able to do this so quickly and efficiently with something as simple as micros, that changed just how quickly we could turn the tables. Yeah, absolutely. You know, can, we do a, can we do a third turn on Saturday? Well, now we can because of, you know, because of that, that program. But, you know, even the um, to see how uh, the POS systems like Square work, yeah, uh, it's neat that you can now access those remotely. Like I cannot, you know, when I'm at home on uh, Sunday or Monday, I can't access the numbers from Saturday uh, remotely because I have to come in and access the the micros uh, portal you know, directly. So those, you know, that need that technology needs to change. I don't use any kind of weird spreadsheets for ordering. I use old school, you know, Microsoft Excel spreadsheets yeah. for that. You know, I think what's really important, and you hit it on the head with technology, it's about the efficiency. Like the time you save, uh, having being able to invest in t- this technology, what you can do with that time you pick up. I mean, yeah, you might yeah. be investing a, a, a small amount every month, and it adds up. But think about what time you're saving and what you can do with that oh, yeah. time, um, which is it's paid, you know, it's paid for itself many times over. Yeah. Awesome. So the last question I have for you, Chef, is what is your best business advice? So imagine you could go back in time and find the 2000 version of Champ, or maybe the, the 1999 version of Champ when you're sitting and you're saying, oh, the, the food where I am sucks. Like, what would you do if you could go back and talk to that version of yourself? What advice would you give to yourself? Be patient and do your homework. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what your parents have been telling you since you were, you were, you know, starting school. Do your research, you know, whatever you're going to do, whatever whatever decision you need to make that's, that's pretty major, whether it's career Life relationships work obviously, um, or a new dish. Do your research, mm-hmm. really, really research it, and be patient. Don't be so impatient that oh my God, so and so is doing this. I have to do this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, adapt situations based on you. Don't just assume because Thomas Kell is doing it in you know Santa, uh, in Napa Valley that that model's going to work for you in Bristol, Rhode Island. Yeah, and I, um, I can guarantee you. Well, you know, again, <laughs> even with the new Nordic movement where it was like everyone suddenly wanted to have, you know, um, wood sorrel on everything, don't assume that's going to work where you are in the world. Um, they're, great, they're great examples to follow. In, you know, you can follow what people are doing. But, again, do your homework and adapt it to what mm-hmm. products you have around you. Um, I love it. You know, we all kind of copy and we get inspired by other chefs and artists and whatnot. Uh, but we really do have to, to stop research it 
and make it out. You have yeah. to, to, to really, you can be inspired. You can't just, you, know, you can't rip somebody off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna, that's just my to, advice is to just be a little more patient and a little and, and do your homework. I love it. And I was just going to say, I, I'm sure that Thomas Keller wasn't copying anybody when he was getting his start. And all the greats of our industry, I mean, they are where they are because they had their vision, they had their plan, and they were true to themselves and authentic with yeah. what they were passionate about. So. Yeah, uh, that's great exactly. advice, Chef. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, I'm going to wrap it up now. We wrap up every episode. I give you the opportunity to call out somebody in the industry that you admire and believe would make a great addition to the show as a guest mentor. And that's how I found you, uh, our chef, Robert. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's great. <laughs> no, Robbie, Robbie's a great guy, and, and we worked together years ago, about over 10 years ago. And he's very successful now, and, and he's a super, super chef. Um, why don't you give old Ben Sugal a call over at Birch Restaurant in Providence? He's, he's a good guy. All right, Ben, look out for you, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna come after you. We're gonna get you on the show, and I can't wait to uh, hear your stories and gather your advice. Uh, you've been an incredible guest, Chef. Uh, give us uh, a way to connect with you. If there's a student maybe in Providence uh, or in the Boston area, in the Northeast, or maybe anywhere who you want to come work for Chef Champ, uh, you know, give them a call, send them a text message. Uh, how can we connect? Why don't we just do email? Uh, yeah, you can, you can always reach text message. <laughs> Yeah, champ, you know, C H A N P E at persimmonri.com. Awesome. I will have that in the show notes as well. Restaurant Unstoppable slash 102. You can find the links to everything we discussed here in the show. Uh, thank you again so much, Chef. Uh, you were incredible. No, thank you, Eric. It's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's no questioning, great. man, how unstoppable you are, and uh, we can learn a lot from you. So uh, until next time, do please keep in touch. Thank you, and uh, I will, and uh, if you're ever in our area, make sure you stop in and uh, say hello. We'd love to feed you, and, and good luck with the show. It sounds it's a great idea. Another episode in the bags here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef Spidell, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You had such invaluable, incredible, unstoppable advice that will make us all just a little bit better in our own careers. Uh, If you guys found value in this episode, and you can think of somebody who would make a great addition to this melting pot of mentors, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to have on the show, and I will do everything humanly possible to get them as a guest mentor. Or just tell me what you want on the show as far as the topic and I will try to answer any questions you have simply shoot me an email eric at restaurantunstoppable.com and also those five star reviews keep them coming thank you guys so much who have given me those reviews they really do help with getting uh, the word out there and getting noticed on iTunes and Stitcher Radio so so helpful everything we talked about today this is episode 102 can be found at www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 102 That's all I have for you guys today. Until next time, peace out.